Welcome to Texas Style Coworking. The ranch office is a neighborhood community office that delivers a warm atmosphere with a heavy dose of Southern hospitality. Located in Memorial, Katy, and Baytown, we offer private offices, conference rooms, event space, and much more. Come change things up and check us out. Remember, life is better at the ranch. Welcome to ESG Energize, where we discuss the latest developments in the environmental, social, and governance arena that are impacting the energy industry today. Here is your host, Delfina Govia. This is Delfina Govia, your busy business boss, executive, strategist, and transformational leader, whose mission on this show is to educate, engage, and energize the global community on topics of sustainability and ESG. ESG Energized audience, we are privileged today to have back on the show representatives from the children, the Children's Environmental Literacy Foundation, and joining me today here in Houston, Texas, at the Cannon Downtown, is the Executive Director, Tara Stafford Oconse, and their new Marketing Development Manager, Enrique Lastra. Tara and Enrique, welcome to ESG Energized. Thank you. Thank you, Delphine. It's great to be here with you. I'm so excited to have you guys back. The, I, I, I don't know if my audience remembers. About a year ago, I had you guys come on because I dis, I don't know how I discovered you. I think maybe you've been through Dean Slocum, the CEO of Acorn International, also a phenomenal organization that's doing some incredible social um, environmental work. Is that is that who introduced us? Is I believe so. I believe so. And he's one of our amazing board members who is such a supporter and connector for our work. So yeah, it's no surprise that he would have been the one to connect <laughs> us to you. Yeah, Dean is 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 amazing. His entire organization is doing some really important work, helping companies when they're going into uh, going overseas into foreign companies in countries to to do uh, work. He helps them go in in a manner that is both friendly and just to the local communities and helps them to assimilate better into those in, into those environments. Um, so maybe we'll get him back on the show. He says he's absolutely brilliant, right? He is. So, um, but anyway, these audience, the, let me refresh your memory. Children's Environmental Literacy Foundation, I have mentioned them several times, not only on this show, but as I've been a guest on other shows, that they're doing something profoundly important. And that is, is that they are bringing the challenges and the solutions to our schools. They're starting with the children. So I'm going to shut up because they do a much better job of talking about themselves. And would you please just give us a refresher on the organization and what you do? Enrique, would you do that for us? Since you're new to the organization, let's just see how good you are in your new, <laughs> your new marketing job. Great. Well, wish me luck. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so you know, as you mentioned, we are the Children's Environmental Literacy Foundation, or SELF for short, C-E-L-F. Um, and yeah, we're a nonprofit that essentially has set out to establish sustainability as part of all children's learning experience, uh, whether it's kindergarten, well, basically kindergarten through 12th grade, so anywhere in that education system. Uh, this fall, we're actually celebrating our 20th anniversary as well. We're super excited about that. That's amazing. I don't know why I didn't realize you guys were 
around that for that long. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't paying attention yeah. close enough, was I? <laughs> yeah, it's great. I mean, we've we've done a lot of work. Uh, you know, the the organization has. I've been here for three months, so I've, you haven't I've, done anything yet. <laughs> just jumped in, <laughs> but uh, you know, we've we've helped uh, or we've worked with over fifteen thousand teachers uh, in over five thousand schools. Uh, and we've applied our education for sustainability methodologies uh, and our programs for over 15 million students. Uh, we're proud of, you know, several. Sorry, I need to. Ki- that's 1.5 million. Oh, 1.5. Sorry. Right. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> that's a big one. Yeah, I can do that section over. <laughs> so let's cut there. Uh, yeah, so in our 20, 20 years, we've reached over 15,000 teachers uh, working in over 5,000 schools. And we've applied our education for sustainability methodologies and our programs for over 1.5 million students. Uh, and we're proud of that we've actually worked with five schools uh, that have gone on to win the prestigious U.S. Department of Education Green Ribbon Award as well. Oh, my. Super exciting stuff. Cool. So I want to boil this. I want to get to really hit, bring this home for my audience. For those of you that have heard me say this a million times before, but anybody that's new, the reason why this is so incredibly important is that in today's world of sound bites, of 15 seconds listening to something on TikTok, of everybody's got an opinion about something, of, of pointing fingers and coming up with rhetoric and not being completely educated on, on, on the facts. This is an organization that is going into our schools and giving our teachers the tools that they need to teach the children, give the children access to scientific process and analysis to uncover the data that the children can then use to make their own intelligent conclusions about what is happening with our environment. Did I get that right, you guys? Am I really? I think you're hired. I drank the Kool-Aid. Okay. You're hired. I drank the Kool-Aid too many times. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so important. It is. And that's exactly what we say is we don't prescribe what the teacher should be teaching. We don't have a specified outcome that we're necessarily looking for, but we're equipping teachers and through them, their students with these systems thinking mindsets. When we talk about sustainability, we're talking about environment, we're talking about social equity, we're talking about the economy and all those different roles and how can we guide them to think about those complexities and use an inquiry approach so that students are asking questions, they're looking around their community, they're thinking, you know, what do I love about my community, but also what are some of the things that maybe could be a little better? And how can we leverage what we love about our community to help solve some of those problems based in the data, based in what we're seeing and analyzing those findings to then inform those potential solutions? And it really covers so many of the skills that are in the curriculum, right? Because we're learning our math skills through the data collection. We're analyzing them, science and math. We're coming up with communication strategies. How can we inform our peers, our community members about what some of these solutions are? How are we being impacted by these issues? You can touch in the languages, the arts. So we see this as an interdisciplinary approach. It's not just in the sciences. I think that's a common misconception that we're still working to dismantle is that 
when we talk about education for sustainability, yes, it belongs in the sciences. It also belongs in every other subject. And it's a way to engage teachers in working holistically to understand these issues that touch our lives and touch our children's lives so that they can become empowered citizens empowered. Yes. to help be part of uh, this, this more sustainable future that we all want. So I'm going to emphasize that just a little bit more. Yesterday, I was, I was recording uh, a show, somebody, a buddy of mine's show, and we were talking about these similar sort of topics. And one of the other guests on the show was commenting how there is a frustration in our universities, even, where instead of being given tools to be able to do your own analysis and come to your own conclusions, that they're being fed what the answers should be. And that just simply is not sufficient. I, I personally believe, and as did the other members of the show that were, that were participating in the discussion, believe that it's not about telling people what they should think and telling them what their opinion is, uh, but giving them the tools to be able to come to those, those conclusions on their own. Yeah, and you know, just a little personal aside, the, you know, one of the reasons I started working with this organization is uh, I just wanted to be a better role model for my son, who's now seven years old. And, you know, as he's sort of entering the education system, you know, I know that in his school, they do touch on sustainability here and there. And I grew up uh, very fortunately with, with parents that really were connected to their environment, their, the, their planet and, um, you know, their roots back in Colombia and then eventually here in the United States. So, you know, I wanted to, to make sure that I could be that uh, role model. And this program is, gives you the ability to, I guess, rest assured that there are teachers out there that are implementing these things at a young age and, and helping kids have the, the tools necessary to ask these questions mm -hmm. to come to their own discoveries uh, through actual education instead of, like you said, a, a TikTok snippet. Or exactly. And to know that their voice matters in their learning yeah. process, right? That they have a say in what they are learning and what, what they want to learn and where they want to take that information and apply it in their everyday lives. So it's moving beyond the textbook, moving beyond the classroom. Let's get out in our community. Let's get out in our green spaces. Let's fall in love with nature so that we want to protect these beautiful places. Let's find the nature even around us in our urban spaces, right? We're looking down here in downtown. We see, yes, lots of cars, highways. We also see some trees. How can we help students find those those little bits of nature wherever they are to, yeah. to feel that connection. But I also think it's to, to emphasize, I think let's go back to the point that you said earlier, Tara, about this isn't just environmental, that there are the other aspects of this as well. Mm. And helping teachers bring together the various subjects. And you talked about uh, your child, Enrique, my child, is about to graduate from the university. And I had one of her professors on my show, he teaches sustainability, and the conversation that we were having was, what he's attempting to do is infuse the topic of sustainability into their petroleum engineering program, hmm. right? Because you know, you not only are you pulling oil out of the ground, but you have to understand, you know, what are the the, the broader concepts around alternative or, or renewable fuels and how that all plays together. But the topic that we were really trying to hone in on was, it's not just about the science but it's around the social concepts as well, and it's about also bringing in other disciplines, academic disciplines, so economics, right, um, that, that have to come to play. The, the softer skills that come into play, 
all of the different disciplines have to come together to provide a complete picture on the topic of sustainability. Right. right? And that's our thing is, you know, Enrique mentioned our 20 year anniversary. So, of course, all the team members that, you know, (laughs) we were not here at that time. We were most of our history was in New York. We actually helped the New York City Public Schools implement sustainability coordinators in every school of the nation's largest district. We helped pilot that about a decade ago. Wow. And so it was in 2019 that our board saw that opportunity. Like, let's let's go to the energy transition capital of the world and bring this Woo-hoo! programming. And so we're really <laughs> proud that since launching here in 2019, and, and we all know that there was a whole pandemic that happened in there and everything, <laughs> we've reached over 1,000 educators and 30,000 students in the region with this approach, this interdisciplinary approach that is bringing the different disciplines together. When we were founded, that's what brought me to that point. When we were founded, it was, and still often is, treated as an after-school subject or an extracurricular. Mm -hmm. Sustainability is something separate. For us, it belongs in every subject, and it's a way to bring learning to life for students because it's relevant to their everyday lives and the issues that matter to them. Remind my audience, we keep talking about why this is important for the children, but remind my audience why this is important for the teachers. What is it that you're bringing to the teachers? I think it's similar similar benefits as the students. They're also learning. They're building their systems thinking. They're building their confidence to talk about issues that they may not be super familiar with. Um, and it helps them gain recognition as as talented educators that are doing more. We're actually really... One highlight that we love to mention is that last year we were working with Channel View educators um, doing some research around air quality in the ship channel, Port yeah. Houston, which, of course, we know those students are, are exposed to disproportionate amounts of air quality and flooding during extreme weather events and, and things of that nature. One of the teachers who took part in that program with us, who was actually at the symposium that you were at with us this past March at Hess Tower, um, Rhonda Perez, she was recognized as... I remember Region Rhonda. 4 Teacher of the Year. Wow. Not just Channel View, but Region 4. And she did tell us very generously that when she was doing the interviews for that, that she did highlight the projects that she did with self. And we know she does so much, but it is a little feather in our cap that we are proud to mention of what <laughs> teachers can get out of it and how you know they can enhance their careers um, through the kind of work that we do. Let me... Oh, I'm sorry, Andrew. I was, I was just going to say that I think on top of that, there are teachers who... Um, who already want to find ways to implement this uh, into their curricula, but I think they just lack a lot of the resources and the time uh, to to get this done. And I think, you know, one of the things that we try to do is is offer micro grants. And of course, with our uh, programs, uh, you know, we have green career speakers that come and, and speak at the uh, to their classrooms. Uh, we help out with field trip opportunities, professional development, and of course, our civic science program uh, that. Uh, you know, helps bring in this sort of framework of sustainability education to middle school and high school students uh, to help them develop these location-based projects to develop their uh, civic engagement and involvement. And so that's that's something that, that we want to be there for. We want to be there to offer these resources to the teachers. We want to support them in any way that we can. That's that's really, you know, what we're, we're here to do. I know that this is working. Because at that symposium, I got to talk to Rhonda briefly. She kept hiding. She was hiding in a corner because she really wanted her children to be the stars, right? Mm. Um, But I listened to her children, her young people, 
present their, their project and their findings. And what I was absolutely blown away by was their objective approach to their findings. You mentioned how they are sitting in a community where they are personally exposed to not the best air quality. But the students were not approaching their project nor the results of their project with an overabundance of emotion. They Mm. were presenting their findings they were discussing it from a very from an intellectual and a logical perspective and understanding they weren't looking to point fingers at the businesses that you could say were responsible for the challenges they completely recognized the value of the businesses to their community and but for those businesses, their communities would not have the employment that they have. And then they understood that there was a holistic perspective that they brought. I was blown away by their representation of their community and their project. Is that all, Rhonda? <laughs> I'm sure it's a large part and also just amazing students who are, you know, excited to take on this kind of research. And I, I like the way you framed that because, right, many of these children, probably their parents are employed in, in these industries and and are, you know, providing for their families with that. And we're all using electricity, right? So we see, especially in this area, we're cultivating the future workforce talent that are going to help come up with those innovative solutions so that we are able to power our lives in ways that are always pursuing that more equitable, sustainable future. So let's talk about that symposium just for a few more minutes, because it was really a a fun event. Uh, But first, before I ask my question and highlight what I really wanted to highlight, give give my audience a quick refresher, uh, because we did air a couple of episodes. We went around and we interviewed the children and and the teachers that, that were there participating, but Give my audience a refresher as to what the symposium was and will be in the yes, future. Yes, yes. Um, so the student symposium is a culminating event for us for our civic science program. And our civic science program, we apply what we call an inquiry to action framework. So we, we equip teachers with skills to apply this framework in developing place-based projects for their students driven by those inquiry questions that the students are coming up with. So. We've run it a few different ways, but last year we had run uh, our civic science program where we guided teachers to come up with those projects. So many of them were focusing on air quality. Uh, There were some students who focused on issues of food equity. So really such a range of different kinds of projects that students have, or teachers have applied this inquiry action framework to explore. And the water quality, remember the one of the water in Mexico on one side of the river and the water in the United States? I remember that. Right, we had students come all the way up from Rio Grande to come and share their data of water quality. And and also to share some, they were so resilient. They were just scraping by with a few beakers and, you know, not not a ton of materials, but to still get this robust data comparing water quality uh, where they live in Rio Grande and and across the border where some of the students have family members and travel back and forth frequently. Yeah, they got water from their grandmother's house or something. Yeah, so very, so many Very creative. Yeah, a lot of different projects. And so that was the culminating event, uh, graciously hosted by one of our new donors, uh, EDP Renewables, based in Hess Tower. Uh, So it was so exciting for the students 
not just to come and have that authentic audience of local decision makers, but to be in that space. It felt empowering for them to be yeah. interviewed by you, which was amazing, to have all these industry professionals come and ask them questions, and then to just be in this big conference room. You know, a lot of them left feeling oh, wow, you know, what, what could my future hold? What kind of career pathways can I think of to take this research further and further and, and help apply some of these solutions? So that is, that is sort of, you know, the crowning moment for, for this program that we run each academic year. And this year we're in the midst of uh, a new cohort of teachers. And as Enrique said, he highlighted the micro grants. This is actually a new initiative this year. So Ooh, last, year we didn't, last year we didn't have that program. And, you know, a lot of times, let me speak a little more long-term of our history itself. I would say, as we are reflecting on these past 20 years, through much of our history, maybe some of the schools that we served were maybe more of those better resource schools that have the resources to bring in folks to help them think about these things. But we wanna make sure we are focusing on equity and that more Title I schools, schools that are more directly impacted by these issues, also have that support. And so these micro grants are a way for us as we're supporting teachers with the training to also help them get data collection tools, maybe a bus rental to get them to that local green space to collect some data to help make these projects really meaningful. So uh, this past student symposium, we were able to do a kind of pilot round of the micro grants and some of the students were able to attend with some of those funds to get uh -huh. the buses to get them yeah. there. And so this year we're doing a larger uh, pool of funds that we'll be distributing to our participating teachers in civic science to help them implement those projects. And then that will culminate. And right now we're looking at March 6th as our, our date again for our student symposium next spring. March 6th. Yes. Okay. We're going we're gonna to make sure that we continue to uh, highlight that date as we get closer to it. And mm -hmm. would, are you going to invite me back to interview the the of course, the kids would be fools not to. It <laughs> <laughs> was so much fun. I learned so much that day. Um, but Tara, talk a little bit more about the engaging the Title I schools and how the, how the, the relevance of, of self's work is for when we talk about an energy transition, talking about not just an energy transition, but a trust, a just transition. I think that's so important in, in this conversation because we're seeing, you know, I've said it many times on this show and we talk about it a lot at, at conferences that when we're making demands on each other as global citizens um, from individual to individual, from company to company, from country to country, we have to recognize that not all communities are created equal. And so to simply say we are going to transition how we produce and consume energy without taking a more holistic view on some of the disparities between one community and another, you know, what is self's view on that and how are you guys playing into the concept of a just transition? Sure. So, I mean, this is very important to us because when we're talking about sustainability, that, that concept of environmental justice, climate justice, recognizing that some communities are being more impacted by others with, with you know, things like climate change and air pollution and whatnot, 
we need to consider that. And this is such an exciting opportunity as we're thinking about how we can make our energy industry more sustainable, that the jobs that are gonna be part of that are represented by folks who are impacted by these outcomes because those folks are gonna be even more driven to see those changes come into effect so that their communities can become healthier and more sustainable. So we see our work with the young students thinking about these issues of sustainability in their communities it's that first step on that career pathway that can get them thinking about how they can pursue fields of study to go into the, the energy transition space and to, to fill those jobs as they get to the age to be part of this just transition so that we're not just thinking about cleaner energies and kind of tapping the same folks who maybe are already in these industries, but we're widening that mm -hmm. pool by making sure that the communities that are most impacted, folks who haven't necessarily been part of these industries in the past, are exposed to these opportunities from a young age. And so when we think about, for example, our Green Careers Guest Speaker Series, this year we're starting to do uh, Spanish language uh, engagements with students because we wanna make sure that dual language programs, students who maybe Spanish is their first language are also seeing, oh wow, someone who comes from a similar background like, like me is doing these kind of jobs. I, I have a place here. And so we want those green career guest speakers to be folks that students can kind of see themselves in, see, see those, not just what does a day in the life look like in these careers, but the journey to those careers so that students understand that, you know, these are opportunities that will be available to them and they can help build that future that they want to see. So, so is that kind of a shout out to my listeners to get involved? Indeed. We love bringing in industry folks from different backgrounds that come serve as green career guest speakers. Um, so we, we have a number of schools that are looking to book those green career opportunities. And what we try to do is, is match them based on whatever the projects are that students are working on. So if students are interested in air quality, if they're interested in water quality, we can help find them folks working in those areas to come share about their experiences and their journeys. Um, so we definitely encourage you to get in touch if you're interested in being a Green Career guest speaker with us, and we have lots of opportunities over the course of the academic year to take part, virtually or in person. So we definitely ah. have opportunities to make it accessible for folks. Enrique, can you uh, provide us, after we finish recording, with some information maybe we could stick in the show notes, some a website access or, or something, so that if people want to get involved in, in that of course, yeah. yeah, yeah. We can we can give you information for for folks to connect with us. Um, you know, just just off the top of my head, I know our website at least. Okay, it's uh, selfeducation.org. Um, that is, of course, C E L F education.org. Um, and uh, did you mention our Houston Leadership Circle? No, I did not mention that yet. So this this is another uh, group that has sort of started to take shape over the past couple of years from some of our generous donors. So we have several donors from the energy transition space, ESG leaders here in the Houston area. And so this is sort of a, a group that we started to form to, you know, we, of course we love a check. We love the funding that's gonna enable us to do our work, but we want that partnership to be authentic where we're not just taking that money in, but we're also engaging you in the work. You're bringing your thought leadership, tapping your networks, whatever these folks can bring to help us expand our work and reach more, don more potential donors, more community partners, more schools. Uh, that's, that's kind of the work of, of this group. And so we have some of our supporters from organizations like Baker Hughes, mm -hmm. Tricon, mm -hmm. Floor, Crestwood, mm -hmm. uh, who have been taking part in this group and help bring in their expertise and ideas to help 
us reach more folks here in Greater Houston. So if folks are interested in contributing to that thought leadership with us, again, selfeducation.org. And there's a, a little button up there in the top right to subscribe to our newsletter. That's a great way to, to stay updated on the work that we do. Can we also get people involved in the symposium coming up in March? Because one of the things that I really liked about it was it was set up very much, looked a lot like a science fair. And, you know, that's, that's the, the downside of, of a podcast is you don't get to see things, right? And we're just kind of interviewing the kids and we're going around and you can't really see what's going on. But it's set up like a science fair. But what's different is that it's not a bunch of judges going around that are going to you know, award a blue ribbon at the end of it. It's industry professionals going around and engaging with these young folks and asking them pertinent questions, probing questions about their projects so that they can have that interaction with professionals. So could we perhaps invite people to volunteer to come and take a look at uh, some of these projects at the symposium? How does that work? We, yes, we, we love to have that, those industry professionals. And that's a key part of how we talk about that program, right? It's not just mom and dad coming and clapping and yay, that's, that's good. But, but we also, you know, we want to give them a sense of what, what does this feel like when you're mm -hmm. out in the, in the world of, you know, being a professional in these industries, what are some of those tough questions you might have to grapple with that are going to challenge your thinking and help push you to the next step in your research and your action? So certainly um, we will be sharing additional information about that via our newsletter, via folks who are part of our leadership circle here in Houston and happy to pass it along through you as well, Delphina. Yes, please. Yes. So we would love to have folks. We always want to keep a healthy balance of we don't want more adults than children. Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I think we had such a great setup last time and we are expecting a larger student audience this year. So we'll, we'll definitely be needing more. Yeah, we're gonna field to experts to come in and, and ask those those challenging questions for our students. <laughs> um, I think that the other aspect of this that this allows both the self organization and the teachers to do is not just give them the tools to be able to uh, learn and investigate but give them a sense of excitement. Because I've said this before, I was actually speaking at a conference last week, and I reminded the audience that this is a really exciting time. The innovation that is occurring within the energy transition space right now is mind-blowing. The talent that it takes for us to provide these new solutions, come up with these new technologies from the major oil companies investing in new technologies to startups that, you know, just people that have great ideas are finding the funding that they need to get some, uh, you know, a startup off the ground. It is, the in innovation is mind-blowing. And to bring that to our students and get them ready to be the next generation of innovators. 
And I think it works both ways, right? Sometimes folks who have maybe been doing this work for a long time, they have a certain set of ideas and maybe the student can come in and spark something new for them and bring those new ideas to folks who are already doing the work. So I think it works both ways, which is exciting. I agree. I agree. So Tara, Enrique, what right now today with the evolution in self, with the evolution that you are driving in how we do education, um, what do you want my audience to take away from this discussion? Well, I think, you know, I'm going to quote our colleague Lisa Janukos here. Um, Who was on the show the last time. <laughs> yes. She's our Houston program director. Uh, that collaboration is the only way forward. And that is the challenge of this work, but the exciting part of it too, right? And that's, I think, what you're alluding to is sort of unique about how self does our work, especially as we are kind of strategically located in many of the places where the energy transition is happening up in New York, New Jersey, here in greater Houston and California, that we want to work with everyone. We want to hear all the different voices so that the solutions that we come up with are going to be equitable, be just, and, and be successful. Yeah, that's kind of the bottom line of it all, right? <laughs> be successful. <laughs> so the more we're all part of these conversations, even if sometimes, you know, we may not always agree on everything, we're working together. We're working together yeah. to move forward toward that more sustainable future, and that's what we find exciting and important. Well, the children will lead the way, won't they? Indeed. <laughs> and we'll try to support them as best we can with some tools and resources. Awesome. Any final thoughts, Enrique? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think you Tara, summed it up quite nicely. You know, like I, like I mentioned earlier, I've, I've only been with the company for about three months or so now, and uh, it's, been, it's been impactful. It's been huge for me to see uh, the, the work that, that our organization puts into meeting with teachers where they're at and giving them the resources to, to educate. Um, you know, like, like we, we had talked about, I think it's important for that self-discovery piece to, to allow students to discover and ask their own questions to come to their own discoveries. And I think that's, that's super powerful. And I think that's what has resonated with me this whole time. And um, yeah, I'm excited to continue with this organization and push forward because, uh, you know, this is an important uh, it's important to take care of the planet that belongs to our children, doesn't belong to us. It's the next generation of stewards that are going to come in. We're just simply borrowing it from them. It's an important foundational piece, and we're putting the tools in the hands of the people within, with whom we are entrusting the planet. Beautiful. Tara, Enrique, thanks again for rec uh, representing self and coming on this show. I can't wait for the symposium March. March 6th, ladies and gentlemen. Get ready for it, and we're going to keep you updated. Thank you so much, Delfina. Thank you. Join us again next week on the ESG Energized Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com.